Good morning, Murray Walker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I came to the first one and I've been to all the others since. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler, thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Good afternoon, Radio Difficult? Typical. Typical. Windows. Typical windows. What is it? What is it with the, you know, the. I mean, it's a bit like going down with a sinking ship, isn't it? <laughs> you know, sort of. You know, Yosemite Sam, he'd have been a PC user. He would have too. You're Bugs, right. definitely um, a Mac. Yeah, Ma- <laughs> Bugs would have been a Mac user. <laughs> iOS, because he's fleet footed. Yep. Daffy, flat footed. Yeah. Roadrunner would have been a Mac user. <laughs> Coyote would have been a PC user. No, no, I, I actually think a Roadrunner would have been a... Uh, Linux. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, quite so. And, uh, and, uh, and Wiley Coyote would have been, like, overclocked. <laughs> yeah, Hence overclocked the problem. PC, that's right. Overheating. <laughs> failure. And, 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 and everything was built by Acme. <laughs> Yeah, well, That's like those no-name brands. Yeah, it's grey box. Grey box specials. It's pretty hard to find a good brand these days in, in the PC market, isn't it? But mm. when you do what... I have to say that when you pick up something like a Sony Vaya, mm. you, you do go, there's a bit of stuff thought about here. Underneath yeah. it all, mm. apparently there's that really ugly operating system. Well, there is. That's true. But it's... So the Lenovo's and whatnot on the desktop are really nice. They're just nicely designed. They're not too big. You know, you've got... An, not too much unnecessary crap in it. So, anyway. I suppose we should do a show, should we? G'day, viewers, and welcome to episode 212 of that light-hearted and zany podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing, cool emerging technologies, gadgets, barbecues, Australian-style, fancy food providors, hanging gardens of Babylon's... <laughs> Babylon's... Babylons, You're and speaking of Babylons, the there's a squeaky dog at the door. Yeah, and babbling on's happening right as we speak. Babylons. Come on, dog. The dog's, oh, dogs is there. Do you know, JP, this show tonight is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan. Delta Wing at Le Mans. Yes, with International. With international. Still churning the press releases out. I saw one yesterday. Aston Martin, Gulf yep. Racing, yes. in the GTAM class with Alan Simonson yep. at Le Mans, and Luxury Racing what? Ferrari 458 with Dominic Feinbarker at Le Mans. I mean, we're just there all over us this weekend, I but know. why wouldn't it be? Because it's Le Mans week. It is. It is, it is. On top of that, how would they keep those cars clean? There's only one way to keep those beautiful cars clean. Bones on. Bowdens. Bowdens, Bowdens. It's all in the way you pronounce it, really, isn't it? The emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, but that's me. I'm a pom, you know. I say yoghurt, not yoghurt, and all these other things I have arguments with people about. What about if you want to sell the house? (laughs) What about if I want to sell the house? How would you do it? 
<laughs> Through a real estate agent. Yeah, but what process? <laughs> what do you mean, what process? A direct sale or an auction? No, an auction. Auction. It's an auction. It's yeah. not an auction. You're not. It's, AU. it's not August, is it? The month's not called August. It's called August because it's got an AU and it's an auction. And if you look at any Tommy TV show, you'll see him pronouncing it as auction, not auction. If it was auction, it'd be OC. Every time I see a, 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 a UK TV show, yeah. it's either like a remake of, of Minder, 30 years on, <laughs> or, you know, it's uh, Rebecca Brooks off to jail. Well, that's a good point, too. <laughs> I mean, suddenly the media have turned on the media. They have. Yeah, but that's... Do you think that's a bit of a tall poppy syndrome, though? You know, like News oh, International I've always thought it was is tall the poppy biggest. Syndrome. News International is the biggest and strongest. And da, 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 da. So when they're in the poo, every other smaller media company has got the knives there. But out. it doesn't really matter because still, whether it's good or bad, they publish it. Mm. Now, we're not here to denigrate the media, nor put it on a pedestal. Or advise, or that's right. We just tell them how to do it. Tell Other it than is. ethics, do uh, do come into play, but it seems to be there's very little of it in the media. Well, it does. No, in the world of motorsport media, there's definitely ethics. Oh, without a doubt. So, JP, on so, this rather wintry, wintry. It is wintry. Thursday night, wintry week actually, isn't it? In mid June, mm. the weekend. Coming up to the Le Mans 24 hour race after having the first, pr- first practice, uh, free practice and qualifying session last night, and the next one going on tonight yep. from 6 pm to 8 pm with a break, and then from 10 pm to midnight Thursday. Remember, that'll be European time, so um, yeah, you so need to think seven about and a half hours behind seven us. Seven, yeah, yeah, seven and a half hours, correct. Okay, good. Uh, seven, into Paris. Yep, yep. Good, the good one there, mate. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, if you want to know at the schedule uh, for a very reasonable price of nothing, dailysportscar.com. Click on headlines, and you'll find there that uh, thanks to Nissan, they've been very, very generous. Of course, um, they're providing free coverage. That's excellent. Of that, now I, I and know the free link to Radio Le Mans. Ah, yes. John Heindorf, good bloke there. A big fan of the Science Project. Well, <laughs> a big fan of the Science Project. And we'll talk about the Science Project later, but um, right. uh, the most important thing is... Uh, what am I drinking? Well, actually, I've gone for something totally different tonight. It's the Gage Roads brand. I've got a Gage Pills, which is only a 3.5 mid-strength, so it's only one standard drink per, per bottle, 330ml bottle. And I just stumbled across it in the bottle shop and thought, I didn't know they did a mid-strength. I'm fed up to the back teeth with drinking um, Carlton Mid. So I thought, I'll give it a go. And I have to say, it's very similar to the Peroni Super Leggera. Um, but it's a little bit more European style, if you can call it. I mean, I know like um, Peroni's Italian, but this is more... German European style rather than Italian European style. That's a very nice drop, actually. I'm very impressed with it. Look, uh, it it, 
it can only help when you have a bottle that feels nice in your hands. Mm, and it is a nice, um, nice green bottle. And cut mid-strength. I mean, cut! Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's but when you've got to drive, when you've got to drive, you just got to be careful. Quite so, but you are, the point is you are having a mid-strength, uh, mm. uh, a, a lager. Is it a lager? Yes, it is. Or is it yes. a pills? Oh, well, it's a pills, though. Serious, but uh, no, very nice. A nice change dry. for you. Mm. Yeah, it is. In any case, so fine wine buying manager had actually inhaled all of them. Well, uh, the other thing too is the fact that I this I got this from uh, from Dan's where FWBM works, and it was only thirteen ninety nine for a six pack. Which, when you think most of the others are all around the fifteen dollar mark, a very sensible off, introductory price. I've not heard of the Gage brand before. Mm, yeah, Gage Roads. It's uh, it's not a bad. Not a bad Where's beer. it from? I think it was Western Australia originally. Yeah, Western Australia. Originally, but where is it now? Well, I think it's still in a, uh, Western Australia, but I believe it might be owned by one of the larger conglomerates, so to speak. Like, it's like a rock. <laughs> it pulls out. Pulls out yes. Anyway. And what do you got? A nice Grenache clean skin from... Mm. Onka Paringa. Onka Paringa. Now, that's a, not a blanket. No, it's not. That's a little wine area. It's a little sneaky wine area, and uh, I think it's actually pretty nice. Up the top of the Onka Paringa River that flows out of Port Malunga, just behind the reef. Which is not far from where you live. That's right. Indeed. Which is basically in parallel with McLaren Vale. It is. Very close to McLaren Vale. In fact, it goes around the back end of McLaren Vale. There's a walk that you can do from... Uh, Port Norlunga, uh, not from Port Norlunga, from Old Norlunga on the main south road there that actually runs up through the back into, you can end up at Chapel Hill. Really? Yep. Is, so that, it, is Port Norlunga down near Maslin Beach? It is. It's basically where the river comes out. That's where, that's what's yep. Port, Port Norlunga. It is. Port in the old days. <laughs> Maslin Beach. Okay, I get it. Which means also you are very close to Maribel. After saying that you weren't, you're really I'm close-ish, but not super close. I mean, it's still from my place to McLaren Vale. If I do, it's close. Your McLaren Vale is closer than it is to here. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can do a low fly to McLaren Vale through the back roads and not exceeding the speed limit. Viewers, not exceeding the speed limit. I hasten to add, but because it's posted eighty, doesn't mean you can't or Haston. Can't, can't hasten. Doesn't mean you can't do 80 round the corners. Um, I can do that if I'm pushing hard in about 22 minutes. But if I go down the main road, it's usually about half an hour. How many gears you got on that push bike there? Oh, 15. <laughs> it must be gears. You are looking rather, rather trim and taut. Oh yeah, and I mean like day. chocolate taut. Yeah. Uh, so. Did you but watch the Canadian Grand Prix? No, no, but hang on a minute. Oh, hold on. It just brought to my mind uh -oh. something. That's right. The Sea and Vines Festival. Last, last weekend. Last weekend. That's right. A long weekend. How gorgeous was that weather? Oh, the weather was just sensational, wasn't it? As well as me having to walk all the way up to Mount Lofty from Waterfall Gully. You did. A steep little track, no it less. Is indeed. The, but it's a lovely walk. Could see out to the York Peninsula. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it was so clear, you don't see that very often. No, 
Coop is clear. <laughs> Super clear. Well, I went down to see uh, the rallies down at uh, Victor Harbour, and as we, as we came back, actually, we were just at the time that everybody was clearing out from the Sea and Vines Festival. Boost, boost bus? No, there was no booze bus, which is funny enough, but there were heaps of buses. Obviously, everybody's been very, very responsible. I've never seen so many buses full of half-whacked people going up the Southern Expressway towards town. Right, there was sort of like they were singing and dancing in the aisles. Yep, there were and people, there was, and there were, there were people standing up and, you know, they were handing around drinks and nibblies and all sorts of things. That obviously but that's the way to do it, isn't it? Oh, it is. Responsible, yeah. designated driver, unless you can stay yeah. down there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, JP, I mean, people didn't, people don't listen to this show for hearing about our enjoyable, you know, salmon croquette matching with the uh, (laughs) Chenon Blanc at Coriol on a lovely Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Mm. Beautiful. It would have been great out there, I reckon. Before your partner, De Hef, came over to enjoy... um, Large sticks, sticks. and uh, and his corgis piss throughout the house. Is that right? <laughs> Those piss. lovely corgis. Yeah, there, there was no good. There Morgan. was no yeah, good or Morgan. bad Morgan. Uh, but then there was no sort of sorry about that stuff. It's just, ah, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, that's it. That's what they do. Uh, when when a, the top of a Saint Saint Henri was snapped off right. from apparently um, uh, taken from the cellars. Oh yeah. Underneath uh, your operation down there, and he bitched and moaned about the fact that you put a, an, an overly expensive and hot UPS, which is keeping the servers running, which is uh, basically wrecking the wine. And he's very quick to point that out. As he would have been, of course. Yeah, never mind the fact that it keeps the business running or anything like that. Listen, let's not worry about that. We've just got to worry about having wine down there. Well, and I, I'll tell you that when I got in on Tuesday morning, the first thing I said was, bloody hell, Hef's been here and he's been in the cellar. Because all of the stuff that's usually stacked up on top of the trapdoor that leads to the cellar was just strewn all over the um, kitchen and not put back where it's supposed to be. So guess who had to put it all back in a nice, neat area so that we could actually get at the coffee machine? There you go. <laughs> Things you have to do. Yeah. The humidifier. I mean, it's a dry <laughs> cellar, isn't it? It is. Under it's the a dry ground, cellar. And it's know. a very cool cellar. Is it linked through uh, to the old jail? Nah, not to the old jail, but if you, I believe that in the old days, because it's such an old cottage, and we've got the, what used to be a brewery behind us in the old days, they've got a tunnel that and used to run all the way down to the, water. Uh, and it used to run all the way down to the torrents, the tunnels, because that's how they used to move the beer in the old days. The mighty torrent. There you go. It's pretty mighty. <laughs> it's very unmighty, but there you go. <laughs> That's exactly what Rob Kerrin said when I saw him down the pub the other day after he gave up the water commission job. Yeah. <laughs> the ex-premier. Mm. Ex-premiers. Kerrin. Ex-premiers. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. But the old Kerrin, he's a laugh. Kerrin. Kerrin the Dero. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't say that. No, don't. We'll get in trouble. <laughs> what will he do? He doesn't want to come on the show and drink everything. He will. Right. So, right. So anyway, back to my question of five minutes ago. Did you watch the Canadian Grand Prix? <laughs> Did you get up at three o'clock in the morning? Stupidly. No. No. Of course not. Why would I do that at I know, 3 a.m.? Why would you do it? Because it was, it was just too 3 a.m.-ish. It was even for me. I got up last year and watched it, but this year, no, I couldn't. I, the alarm went off. I, I took my iPhone and 
put it beside the bed with uh, set to go off at 10 to 3. The St. Horry had got me. And it went off at 10 to 3 and I went, I was nah. walking up the hill at, uh, at 8 o'clock the following morning. Monday morning I was yep. on call and uh, having, I've never been up a waterfall gully and whew, when I came back it was a murder. Murder? A murder. <laughs> there was. Lots of crows. No, there were police. <laughs> right. Didn't you hear about it? No. Well, the sticky date bun didn't pay. Huge <laughs> <laughs> right? gathering. Mm. But no. Anyway, um, so I did watch the whole. Fire off, mate. And tell us night. what went on because I and, didn't um, pay any attention. To I it. read the uh, the race report avidly the next morning, and uh, and then glimpsed through the highlights the um, on Monday night, which were replayed on Channel Ten at ten thirty or whenever, um, and. As predicted by myself last week on the show, it's now seven from seven. Seven winners for the first seven races. And, yes, Lewis Hamilton did actually do it. So the McLaren did have the legs, which I thought was, you know, pretty good. Jensen Button, poor old Jensen Button. Oh, was he in a mess or what? Apparently he was very... Bewildered and confused and upset, and then Martin Whitmarsh has come out and taken the blame and said that we didn't do the right thing. It was chewing through rear tyres. We didn't have enough tyres to because he started um, badly and then it just got worse from there on in. Um, and also, I noticed that Whitmarsh has said that the next two races could be a disaster, partly because of the tyre dramas. But also, this, you know, this is despite the fact that Hamilton won, but also because um, he said that their cars are struggling for traction in uh, slower corners and on, on the slower tracks, and they like the quick tracks. So, OK, well, we've got the European Grand Prix, uh, and then we've got Silverstone, which are both fast tracks, basically. Look, um, the variability of the tyre, um, or if, if it is, the tyre is variable, it's certainly very changeable over time and different environments. And I think what it's doing is it's messing with the driver's heads. I don't think that the tyres as such are as unpredictable um, as the drivers are perceiving them to be. But at different events, different drivers are going, I've lost my confidence. Mm. And, they're, they're, and, and I think you know, you'll never hear it from them that some of them are a little bit scared. Yeah. That, you know, I don't want to be going off on a hard left-hander at 150 mile an hour mm. and hitting something, and quite rightly so. Oh, yeah, too right. And, and that's it. They're going, it's almost like I don't quite know where the where but my comfort level is at, whereas before the consistency was good and, mm. the, and the drop-off, the degradation... Was predictable. The degradation was predictable. Yeah, yeah, and it's not yeah. predictable now. But I think that, and I think that's why it's so variable. And why we've why we've got seven winners from seven races is that each different driver has got in the grooves, got in the groove with the tyres on the day, and they're feeling confident and everything else. When maybe all the others aren't. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's very, uh, it's very all over the place. I mean, poor old Button. He's down at sixteenth in the championship at the moment. 43 points adrift. And but conversely, Chewy, like Lewis is now on top. I know, and how weird is that? And then Chewy, poor old Chewy. Two points. 
Mate, he's just like, he's down at 18, for God's sake. You know, that, that is pretty unusual when you have a look and you go that, that all the failures mm. that he's had, but I think by one race. He has five out of seven. He's had five out of seven, and and Nico has managed to circulate every mm. single lap. Uh, but Ross Braun's taken it on the chin, and he said it's basically it's it's all down the mechanics. Well, why should he take it on the and chin? Shouldn't Michael? Well, it, uh, no, because Ross, Michael's got the chin for it. Well, Michael has got the chin for it. That's true, and Ross probably hasn't. But he's basically said that it's nothing to do with Michael. It's entirely on on our plate, as he sort of terms it for the team. Um, all they can do is strip the car, identify the failure. I mean, it was the um, the wing at the back was stuck open uh, on on in Canada, but um, he said that our only response is logical engineering and hard work to ensure there's no repeat. Well, so, well, there you go. They, they've, they've made a pains to say that the cars are built to the exacting same specifications, mm. and I, I, I just, I sorry, I don't buy it. I don't mm. buy. The, I think that. Schumacher is harder on the car. Yeah, probably. I think he, he drives the car from a perspective of what he used to know, and it doesn't necessarily work as well as what Nico would drive it. Mm, true, yeah, but, then, uh, but then conversely, if you look at McLaren... I you think conversely, conversely, conversely? <laughs> I think Hamilton's a lot harder on the car than Button is, but yet Hamilton got the result on the weekend. It's just, it's, it's just one of those really weird seasons, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. Poor old Shumi. He's just, he's just suffered. Oh, he has. Oh, he's a sufferer. <laughs> he's come rush. back as a sufferer. Oh, he's just, you know, he's just suffered. This is terrible. Mm. Well, well, I think Alonso's pretty happy. He's, he's not suffering. He's, he seems to be very confident, and he said that the car's getting better and better, and so... Well, he, 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 there could be a bit of suffering. <laughs> Why? Well, with, uh, you know, the Ferrari now being sponsored by Santander, mm. the bank, whereas, uh, and their um, uh, Moody's and the uh, the World Bank have downgraded them to virtually one-off junk status. And, and interestingly, that goes along completely with Luca de Montezemolo. 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 Yeah, Montezemolo. I can never pronounce it right. Who's been very vocal in the past few days, um, urging urgent action with regard to cost control, because since um, photo went out the window last year, apparently the, the FIA's new financial plan deadline is June 30th, and um, because of that, uh, they're supposed to draw up a whole new list of you know cost constraints and get the Concord Agreement sorted out and all of that sort of stuff, and um, with the most recent debacle in Europe and you know you look in Spain and Italy and they're all looking down the barrel um, Ferrari are, are very uh, conscious of the fact that uh, something needs to happen to control costs so uh, I think that's going to be a very well presuming that they make their financial plan by the end of the month it's going to be very interesting to see what they do yes but moving on to more Prudent subjects. We can talk about V8 supercars this weekend in uh, in Darwin, Darwin but yep. uh, one has to talk about the week leading into 
the 24 hours of Le Mans. In fact, the 90th, the 90th uh, episode of it, and clearly, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a good one. Toyota, with its hybrid, has uh, shown very strong promise last night in the free practice and uh, qualifying sessions. Um, against the Audis, certainly coming in there at uh, at fifth and sixth with the that is the strong, Audis strong result f- uh, first to fourth. Notice will be the the uh, the e-tron, e-tron Quattros, yep. the uh, the hybrid variants a little bit faster with uh, uh, Fassler, Lotterer and uh, Bernard Tullia. In fact, the fastest time was set by Andre Lotterer um, in that car at uh, three twenty-five. One six three. Give you a frame of reference back to um, Alan Simonson in the Aston Martin, um, who was typing in a three fifty eight seven five three there, which was second in GTE AM, mm-hmm. the amateur amateur class. Doesn't mean that Alan's an amateur. It's just that there was a driver in the car which would be considered an amateur, but uh, only. Um, only four other pro, five other pro cars uh, ahead of him. Uh, Dominic Farnbacher, second, outright there in in GT uh, in the luxury racing, uh, which we're very very luxury. Yeah, nice little sponsorship with the paint. It is. Um, who's uh, teaming up teaming up with uh, with uh, Jamie Mello and who he who, who he drove with at Nurburgring 24 hour last year and uh, Fred Mako as they put on the car his, uh, his actual name is Makowitzki <laughs> right but uh, yeah been too Mako long Mako as in shark so it's basically F, F Mako J Mallow D Farn <laughs> you know just to keep it all bit nice of an abbreviation yeah well there you know you know what I've said before so is Alan a sin is he <laughs> But our old friend Gunnar Jeanette yes. is, uh, is right down there, way down the end there, in GTAM, in 52nd position mm. at a very slow 403 uh, with Lucky Pierre. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> now they're in a 458. Um, that's a 458, is it? Yep, 458. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's looking pretty good. Um, so who knows what's going to go on tonight? But most astoundingly, the Nissan Delta Wing, the yes. the, the the car that the is actually is the science experiment, the actually <laughs> has been behind a car zero, which actually cannot um, effectively, even if it won, it can't, can't win. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is is qualifying, or well, rather in practice, uh, is sh- showing itself up here at, at a very excellent position of 28 very respectable time of 3.43 now they had a 3.45 time um, of target in uh, the pre-test test, yeah. Yeah, test day the weekend before and uh, Michael Crum who has been a long term Nissan uh, works driver having worked with their the truck engine uh, GD1 car and FIA GT1 Notice you haven't heard here much about FIA GD1 these days. <laughs> anyway, um, that that program's all now now dead, which was actually a bit of a gigawave project for a mo- for a moment, then it right. disappeared over to another bunch of people. Um, 
felt that he could get into 30s. Um, now that's that's pretty significant because if you look at the times here, the best LMP2 car is an, doing a 339.669, and above that is just LMP1s, um, L, uh, which would be the Pescarolo 339.656, all the way up to the Audis, which range between 325 and 327. Now, of course. They're on low fuel loads. It's not indicative mm. of what they're going to be doing in the race. Unfortunately, um, Krum was in the car and uh, oh, uh, admitted to um, basically tripping over, <coughs> tripping over a bit of one of the ripple strips there at Tetrouge, mm. uh, which is basically the last right-hand kink before you go on to the first part of the Molson Strait. And uh, the fire extinguisher dislodged and shut down the electrics and stuff like that. And pretty much their, their night was run. But nonetheless, um, it... It's um, it, it's pr it's pretty good going from a uh, from a a hybrid concept car where it's using half the fuel, it's half the weight, and half very very little. Uh, sorry, it's not a hybrid car, um, no, but it's 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 a out there concept. One point six liter. Yeah, in National Police doing a great job of putting some stuff uh, together. And uh, you'll see it. We put it up all up on radio. Hot yep. Um, today. Right I don't know if you had a yeah, look at the yeah, bit of it. So I've got the press release this morning. I knew you'd put it straight up. Well, uh, I, I didn't. In fact, it was oh, international. Had yeah, logged yeah. in himself during yeah. the night, being a dutiful, uh, um, you know, dutiful mm -mm. mm -mm. radio. Being a dutiful, yeah. But when we went into qualifying later in the day, and qualifying was between. Um, uh, 10 p.m. and and midnight. Now bear in mind, JP, that the light doesn't start to disappear till about quarter past ten. It's about dark right. ten to eleven. Yep. And of course, the air's starting to cool down, and you start to you know the cars are the turbo cars are dancing down again. The uh, Audi R18 e-tron e Quattro's did a uh, 325 and a 326. The Ultra another 326, but. The Toyota moved into the 327, so I would be unsurprised to see them perhaps right up the front there mm. at the beginning. I honestly don't think they're going to be able to really get there in, in the end. Um, the Highcroft uh, Delta Wing moved down to a, a 340, four, uh, 342, so they're looking for tonight. Uh, yeah, to try French time. Yep. So if you want to have a listen to it, radiolamont.com, perhaps. Jeez, no man likes to put this up tonight. It would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't, then they can listen tomorrow night. Not to be missed. Also uh, circulating, let's check in uh, with what's going on in the GT category. The uh, Corvettes that were quickest yesterday have dropped uh, in this uh, session uh, earlier. They, are, they now find themselves third and fourth. Uh, first is the number 59 Ferrari, the luxury Ferrari, with uh, Dominic Farnbacher circulating out there in the car right now. Uh, they're on a 355-393. Then uh, Darren Turner in the 97 car is on a 355-870.
The number 74 car, which was the quickest yesterday, is on a 355-910. They haven't improved. That's the time that they had yesterday, wasn't it, Paul? They have not improved at all today, have they? The, Sorry, the who was that, Jim? The Corvette number 74. Uh, that's right. Their time yeah. from yesterday is 355-910. Right. So the top three in that class are all on three minutes and 59, 55 seconds, Charles, uh, all separated by six-tenths of a second. I was also looking at the other class that's not a class that I'm going to name a class. Since, Paul, I'm thrilled to, to report to you, by the way, that my first prediction of the weekend has already proven false because Andre Lauter blew through my 324.9 prediction for the poll. That happened. I haven't made my prediction. I better hurry up and make my prediction for the GT poll so I can be wrong with that one. But I'm also looking at what I call the privateer poll, and right now I think that would have to go to Nick Leventis. He is in the number 21 car, and there and there was a 329.9. So he got under three and a half minutes, which is awfully good. It was yeah. Danny Watts, uh, just before anybody starts phoning in and complaining, it was Danny Watts in that number 21 car who set that time, Chuck. Uh, so the number 21, although Nick Leventis is in it at in the moment, the car now. it was Danny Watts who set the time. And then it's and then it's the two rebellion Lola Toyota V8s right behind him, and they're in it. Well, let's take a real quick look at 329.8 and a 331.8. So we have right now we have eight cars below three and a half minutes. That's pretty good. In uh, P2, the 25 car holds sway at a 338.181, and then uh, the 24 uh, Morgan is uh, in at 338.598. And then the number 26 Nissan is in at 339.152. So that's your top three there. If, uh, if you want to see the times for just this session, uh, you can go on to LeMondLive.com, uh, and that gives you the times just for this session. Right, and so, that's part of uh, the Michelin, our Michelin timing and scoring. That's right. Uh, yeah. At LeMond's Live and www.LeMond'sLive.com. They've got some awesome information, some great videos uh, that you can check out. It's a, it's a pretty neat site. Andre Lauterer has uh, set a new uh, fastest sector time of 31.8, and then his second sector time is a uh, sedate 81.2 seconds. This is the third <laughs> lap of that stint, of course, so uh, Lauterer will be really pushing. What did you yeah. find funny? It'll there be interesting to see what his uh, third sector time. <laughs> sedate, I think it was because yeah. 80. A few cars got me, me uh, the second sector, which is from Tertrouge to the Mulsanne Corner. Uh, I think only two cars got under 80 seconds yesterday, but the fastest car in Sector 2 was one of the Toyotas. Yes. And it was the yes. only time that Audi wasn't at the top of a column. So I'm going to be kind of paying a little bit of attention to that. It'll be interesting to see what Lauterer can do with the traffic as he makes the run through the... Uh, third sector, and that goes from Mulsanne Corner through to the start-finish line and includes the Porsche curves where if you get caught in traffic there, it can really mess you up, and also it can mess you up with the Ford Chicane. Lauterer comes through. We'll see what his time is. Click. No improvement. The uh, 328. So he definitely got hammered in traffic once he uh, made his first... Uh, that first sector must have been awfully clean. And, uh, in fact, uh, the video is staying with him now, so we'll get a chance to see uh, just what kind of traffic he faces here. Interestingly enough, yesterday, looking at that first sector time, as I remember it, Paul, and I'm going to hold you responsible for making me right, for that first sector time yesterday, Lotter was the man in sector one. 
in in the number one Audi. That's right. In yesterday's times, yeah. Chuck, that is absolutely it's right. About all I remember from yesterday, but at least I got that right. <laughs> I mean, the Toyotas. Um, it's worth pointing out. I mean, I was saying about the uh, the Audi hybrids hitting this um, top speed ceiling. Um, the Toyotas are unquestionably the quickest thing in a straight line. Um, repeatedly talking of them being top of lists, uh, they are top of the list when it comes to uh, top speed. Um, but they're not able to put it all together in laps, and we're often seeing on the screens, aren't we, uh, Jim, the uh, Toyotas uh, really showing how hard they're being driven, pushing to the limits oh. of the track. Yeah, very much so. They are being flogged within an inch of their life, and uh, as Anthony Davidson found out yesterday, he stepped over the line, and uh, they had to do an engine change on that car, as they had a problem in the drivetrain. And uh, the number two car going through. Also, uh, we're trying to see if uh, Warren Hughes uh, in the Murphy uh, Nissan, Orica Nissan, can can improve on the times that they have had. They were quick yesterday, but now they find themselves uh, sixth in the uh, P2 category, as uh, everyone has uh, continued to improve uh, through uh, last night's session and uh, the early session here. The Delta Wing, the Nissan Delta Wing has uh, made an appearance on pit road and gone back into the garage. They continue to run to their program. A further improvement for Tom Christensen, uh, Jim. 325-433 for the number two Audi hybrid. He was third. He is still third. We've said that before. But the time's coming down and down and down from uh, the Dane. And the number eight Toyota has come on pit road, I believe. Bruce Jones is there. And so is the car, fortunately. New tyres put out. No, sorry. Tyres put out, not being changed on this side yet. I'm looking for the pit wall. But they are not shiny, new, fresh rubber. I think they're working to do, go for their pole or provisional pole lap later in this evening. Bedding in. Davidson staying on board the car. Nothing too hurried down there. Going back out on the track. And then I think next time around, Nicola Lapierre will come in in the number seven car. I think one of the things that uh, we're, we may see happen is the fact that we may see some of the fast running coming a little bit later when there's less traffic. Because as people get through their program, we've seen this before, Paul, as people get through their program, things are a little bit cleaner on the racetrack as far as traffic goes. And you get to an, the end of a session or a, end of a stint, perhaps. You've got a light race car. Things are yeah. feeling good. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got a, a very quick lap. Yeah, that works as long as everybody doesn't do it. Because if everybody does it, then you don't have a clear racetrack. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and maybe they've seen the weather forecast <laughs> that says it's not going to rain. And maybe everybody said, come on, guys, we have to, we have to make a little change. Yeah. No, it's, a, it, it's one of those things where, as I say, if, you, if you're the only one that has the bright idea, it's a great idea. But if everybody else has a great idea, it's no longer a great idea. Well, it's still a good idea. You know, great minds think alike, I guess. Let's go to our, uh, Nis- our, our other Nissan pit lane reporter, Joe Bradley, who has an Audi moment for us. Yeah, powered by Nissan down here, but I am at Audi. And uh, the number four car came in. I couldn't quite see who leapt out of the car. Uh, everything seemed ordered. Mike Rottenfeller got into the car and was ready. Uh, Oliver Jarvis, I believe, was the driver according to the screen, so we'll say that was Oliver who brought it in. Everything looked looked okay. They put new tyres on. Well, scrubbed rubber went on the car. My Rockland fellow was ready, and then all of a sudden, uh, they all changed their uh, their minds. The the little trolley jacks were were brought out. The car was upped onto those. It swivelled round. It went back. Um, the w- 
amazingly, um, and, and the sort of attention to detail down here, was the uh, the wheels and tyres were then taken off and shipped back out the back into the ovens to keep the temperature in them. Um, all of a sudden, um, someone appeared from one of the operations rooms, uh, just swept in behind me, just brushed the back of my heel, was uh, one of the, uh, the quattros. Um, out popped from the operations centre uh, um, an engineer or a data engineer with a laptop with a look of consternation on his face. Down from the pit wall came Alden Haynes, who's engineering the number four car. And uh, right now we're doing very techie stuff with laptops and stuff, but uh, clearly a bit of an issue. And it looks like a very technical issue because there's only laptops that will be able to solve it down here with the number four. The uh, number one car's come in and gone back gone into the garage on. as well, Joe. Right. I uh, can't get to that at the moment, Jim, because the number two Audi Ultra, that's the um, Capello Christensen McNish one. That's the e-tron. That's, e that's, that's the, the other uh, hybrid. Sorry, the uh, e-tron the, the e Quattro with Tom Christensen. Tom remembered putting that one with a 23. And who is that about to get in? It's Dindo Capello. Uh, fresh from watching his 1-1 draw for his uh, nation's team against Croatia. So Dindo getting into the car. That was a boring game. Everything. Yes, it was. It was a football game. Everything looking all uh, 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 down here. Yeah, nice. And Tom in conversation with Dindo. Gesticulations can't really read into what he's trying to say by his uh, hand gestures. Little shake of the thumb. Um, the Audi soft puppet is in the uh, passenger, what would be the passenger side, the uh, left hand side of the car. Um, but I will try and get a word with Tom. Hopefully, he won't disappear to the, the dark recesses of the back of the Audi pit where they seem to disappear and reappear when they're about to jump in the car. Dindo getting the go-ahead, a little bit of a... What is that? Is that a memory card? It's as if there, It's as if everything's really urgent down here at Audi. It's, um, they're obviously going through, you know, nothing... Even though it's a, a qualifying session and we've been running for hours, they're still treating every pit stop with urgency as if it was during the race. So, obviously, that seems to be... Uh, I would think a logical and good idea. Well, they run to a program, and they have a very busy schedule, and they're trying to keep to that program, so urgency uh, is, is not lost on them. That is for certain. We've talked about GT a little bit. Uh, catch you up on GTE AM, and currently the number 79 car, the Flying Lizard Porsche. Spencer Papelli just bringing that car in uh, to the pits. And uh, they are uh, currently quickest at 357.594. And then the number 75 Porsche. So we've got Porsche and Porsche, 1, 2, and AM. That's pretty interesting. Not Charles. only that, but the, the Porsche that is first in the amateur, I hate saying that, is also the best of the Porsches. That's the most important part yeah. to hear right now because we have, what, five cars ahead of them. It's Ferrari, Aston, Chevrolet, Corvette. Wow. I wonder what what's going on down in the pits. But let's go to uh, Joe Bradley, who has got Tom Christensen. I have. He's just in a conversation with Alan McNish, Alan suited and booted as well, just awaiting his turn. Uh, Tom, looking like he's, uh, he's, he's, he's he's worked a little bit, a little bit of sweat there. So a little bit of discussion going on. So a little bit of tactics being deployed here. Um, they're certainly not talking about football. What with Alan being Scottish, of course. But uh, Tom about to come across to us now. Hello, mate. How are you? That was good. Good time. 
Sorry? That was a good time there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 we, we, you know, it um, has been a little bit different windows on the on the circuit in terms of uh, grip level with the cooler conditions which we have experienced this uh, uh, this week compared to the test day and also I guess everyone can feel it on the campsites as well so uh, we have to optimize the car for that and um, if we go into a long cold night at the weekend if this is the case uh, we try to see if we can still keep a balance with a, with a setup which can maybe generate uh, some grip still to do it uh, in the long run so right now I had a new setup uh, of Michelin rubber on but um, as you have seen with the laps, I, I, I did the seven laps. It was not a, it was just to a combination of yeah. If there came a clean lap, it could not. It was not too bad. And I think my last or second last lap uh, was a bit less traffic than the previous, and I was able to improve. But that's not. Um, I mean, it's nice to be at the at the front for sure for tomorrow through the day, and then when we were wear the our on Saturday, um, it's a long race, and we prefer to have a good race count underneath us. And um, I was just explaining, Alan, I think that's felt not bad now, but there's, there's still a little bit what we maybe can fine-tune and still have uh, one hour and a half. Tom, what's your, what's your thoughts on the weather? You know, the forecast is, is changing all the time. What's this hybrid like to drive in the wet? Uh, as we saw in Spa, it, uh, it works pretty well. It seems that resistance going into the corners gave us a little bit more feedback in terms of how much we can trail break, how hard we can go in. So, I mean, uh, for me, uh, let it rain. I mean, uh, Quattro and Audi, uh, everyone have heard about that. And uh, it's a part-time Quattro for about three seconds when you come out of the corners. But you have a little bit of resistance going into them. And I think that uh, can can do an advantage if it's uh, if it's raining. If you can see where you're going, that's uh, that's a different matter here at Le Mans in, uh, in a closed cockpit in heavy rain. So there's a lot of challenge for that. But if uh, the fans want dry, uh, let it be dry. Well, I think you missed a big major element out of that one. Audi Quattro, you missed the name Christensen in the wet. Is something formidable and something we look forward to. Thanks, Tom. I'll leave you to the rest of your night. Oh, well, in Denmark, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Coming from Denmark, he's quite used to the wet. Cutting, cutting quickly away from the football um, down at the Toyota end. Uh, another running a different program to the Audi. We have Nicola Lapierre has brought in car number seven, still sixth on the timesheets. Kazuki Nakajima has climbed on board that. I think they've just put a new nose cone on. They took it to the back of the garage and brought a new nose board. Whether that's a different light setup, I don't know. But uh, they're about to get busy because number eight with Anthony Davidson on board should be coming in. Hopefully they can get uh, seven out of the garage where it's been pushed back and away before the other one comes in. But both ends of the pit lane, both fighting to see if they can get that pole. But uh, the bullet is not yet in the gun, as Tom Christensen just discussed. So you're listening to 91.2 FM, Radio Lamar with Sim Raceway, online racing world. That was Bruce Jones and Joe Bradley, part of our Nissan pit lane team. And joining me here in our broadcast location uh, at uh, the pit entrance is Darren Cox from Nissan. Welcome. Thanks a, for coming what a, by. What a good spot you got here. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Not, not quite what we expected. Um, and it's a lot different than what we used to have when we could see the entire pit lane. But uh, given that uh, it was a last-minute fix, I think they did pretty they did pretty well by us. Yeah, I could come and watch the start from here. Definitely, it's a fantastic. Spot oh for yeah, that. yeah, you're definitely welcome. You're, <laughs> Thank you're, you. You're definitely welcome. Uh, so we are uh, 90 minutes away from. Uh, 
not a day off, but uh, a quiet day for uh, for most of the rest of this place before the big day on Saturday. How do you feel about where Nissan is at this point? You have got about a thousand balls at the air, in the air this weekend. I don't know how you're juggling it all, but uh, are you happy with where things are? Well, we've, we've got a we've got a thousand balls in the air, but uh, we've got 14 Nissan engines out on the uh, on the grid, and uh, you know we're very happy to see that they're being very competitive. I think the uh, in the top half of the uh, LMP2 grid, apart from one car, is um, is all Nissans, and uh, yeah, we're we're very happy. And of course, we've got the um, the Nissan Delta Wing out there as well, uh, which is causing a bit of a, a bit of a stir. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. And the most important thing for us, though, really, is yes, there's lots going on on track, but also we're doing a lot for the fans uh, off track as well. Which uh, hopefully everyone that's on site has seen a lot of that, and uh, we'll be doing a lot more both tomorrow at the drivers' parade and uh, throughout the weekend. Well, I was very impressed a couple of years ago when you first were starting to make noise about uh, entering this part of the sport, and after the completion of the 24 hours, a huge banner came out of your hospitality area, Nissan sports cars, coming soon, or something to that effect, (laughs) and since that time, you have been full throttle and have really made an impact in this uh, end of the sport. Well, we like to do things differently, uh, as you can probably see from the Delta Wing, but uh, it's not just And about the GT Academy. Well, as you say, it's not just about the uh, the Delta Wing, it's uh, GT Academy as well. You know, two uh, cars out on grid with uh, Nissan GT Academy drivers in them, one in uh, on shot now, those of you that are watching the, the uh, live uh, pictures, I don't, I'm not sure who's in the car, but the 23 car is uh, one of the drivers is uh, Jordan Tresson, um, and it's his first time here uh, at Le Mans uh, racing, and uh, two Fra- years ago... Frank Mayu's in the car now. Frank Mayer, who happens to work for Nissan as a stagiaire in uh, Paris. Okay. Uh, we try and look after our drivers uh, educationally as well as uh, on the track. And, uh, yeah, as well, obviously, in the other car, which is getting quite a lot of attention, there's a couple of chaps called Brundle in it, um, but uh, there's mm-hmm. also a young man called uh, Lucas Ordonez, who obviously won the inaugural GT Academy and made all of the other things uh, that we're doing um, come to life. So, uh, yes, we've, as you say, a thousand balls in the air and some interesting stories up and down the uh, pit lane. I wouldn't want to play poker with you. Because you're a risk taker. I I bet you bluff a lot when you play poker because certainly people, I won't say they scoffed, but they look very skeptically very skeptically at the GT Academy program. And you guys have hit that out of the ballpark, both both with Lucas. Every graduate that has come out of that program has done well. Now, Lucas has set the bar very high, but everybody has, has done well. And everybody was very, oh, come on, gamers, give me a break. And it worked. Well, as you say, you look back now, and if you ask somebody, well, we'll take a PlayStation gamer and put them into a racing car and take them to the mall. Yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah. And the only reason that, that that's happened is because we were playing poker and we bluffed everyone and we did it. Yeah. And lots of people have come up to me subsequently and said, oh, I had that idea 10 years ago. But what? Sure, they did. Well, they, but even Maybe they did. They just didn't have the, the idea cojones that, to pull it off. Exactly. Like anything, the idea is very, very easy to have. It's actually trying to put it into place. And what was great, we did a staff briefing here because we've got lots of customers and, uh, and fans here that we're working with. And I looked around the team of people that are looking after them, and it's a team of people mainly that put the first GT Academy together. And they're mm. a bunch of petrol heads who believed in something that was slightly different. Um, and look what, how it's rewarded those uh, those people. Look how it's rewarded PlayStation. Look how it's rewarded Nissan. And now we're getting people copying it. So those doubters at the beginning uh, are probably the same ones that are trying to pitch it to other yeah. companies to go and do it again. But you know, and bring it on. Uh, yeah. Bring it on. And we, 
we like competition. Um, but as you say, we've got Lucas Ordonez here in the in the uh, the Greaves uh, Nissan, and also we have uh, Jordan Tress on his debut uh, at Le Mans uh, in the uh, Signatec car. And our third graduate from uh, Europe, Jan Mardenberg, is racing not only in the Blancpain series in a GT3 uh, GTR, but also in the um, in the uh, British GT Championship. And uh, so that wasn't risk enough. Some uh, some guys come to you with a drawing and go, we think this is a good idea. And, and, and you said, sure, why not? And most uh, manufacturers told them it wouldn't work and uh, that, uh, that, you know, go back to uh, to their drawing boards. But uh, we, we, we believed and, uh, you know, Ben Bowlby and the team there have done a fantastic job in two ways. Designing an absolutely brilliant concept and also being very, very convincing to uh, people like myself. There was a lot of, as you can imagine, sceptics on that one. More sceptics than there were on GT Academy. Even though, I think you've seen it out the window, the oh, yeah. corners, yeah. there's still sceptics out there. But do you know what? I, I think that's great. That's what makes our sport is opinions. And lots of people have got opinions about the car, good and bad. And that means we're all talking about it. And that means that the sport, by the way, is also getting coverage in uh, places it normally doesn't. And that's, you know, we are, as I say, we are fans. We are Le Mans fans. I've been here a number of years, paying my own way, staying in the campsites. And we're just fans at the end of the day. And uh, if our sport is getting covered outside of the traditional media that uh, motorsport does, it will bring more fans in. It will make our sport better. And the most important thing, it will bring younger people mm. to the sport. Mm -hmm. What really scared me, uh, I, I um, had my annual race in something very, very slow um, a couple of um, uh, uh, months ago. And we had some very, very good pit lane reporters there, by the way. Uh, one, Nick Damon. Uh, it wasn't a Nissan uh, pit lane team. So who were the good weekend. pit reporters? Really? Yeah, they were there. They were very, they were very good. <laughs> um, and uh, what scared me, uh, apart from how slow I was that weekend, was the, the age of the marshals. Oh, oh yeah. Honestly, I mean, these guys, you know, they do an absolutely fantastic job, but they're all getting older, and there's mm -hmm. not any youngsters coming through, which scares me because that means there aren't the young fans, and that means there won't be the young drivers, and we need people like marshals and people that run clubs and administrate our sport, and they're not there. We're not pulling them through. Yeah. Now, what we're doing with GT Academy and with uh, Nissan Delta Wing is bringing some of those young fans yeah. through. And I, I knew I'd got... Um, and one thing I did uh, when I was looking at this project was show the picture of the car to my 11-year-old daughter, Hello Faith, if you're listening. And I said, what do you think of that? She's not interested in motor racing at all. And she said, when can I go and see that car race? Oh, wow. Now, I show it to my friends who are sceptical about motor racing anyway. And they said, well, that thing's not going to work, is it? So yeah. it really is a divider. And, and, you know, we really do want to try and bring uh, younger people into our sport. Well, and we're, we're thrilled this year because uh, we're bringing along young Johnny Palmer and we've added Shea Adams. So uh, kind, of, kind of a like mind as far as trying to get some, some youth into this instead yeah. of old farts like me. But uh, the, the Delta Wing has done a 342 as its, as its fastest time so far. I'm not going to ask you what it can do and all that. I know people have been pestering you about that. I'll tell you. Um, well, what do you want it to do is what I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, the problem we've got in our garage is uh, we've got a lot of racing people in our garage. Oh, of course you do. Um, so very good racing people. In yes, exactly. We had a, we had a very clear plan last night what we were going to do, and then we all stood around and said, mm, "We got some soft tyres. Yeah, should we stick them on? Okay. Uh, we got that map we could use. Yeah, should we mm. put that in? Yeah, okay. Uh, and should we let Michael Crum off the leash? Yeah, okay. Mm. And um, is that the eleven? 
No, we're up to 10 at the moment. We, have, oh, we can turn it up to 11 at some point. Maybe, maybe we will. Not, not this weekend. Um, and basically, he went for a time. And if you look at the data, uh, we probably think we can get into the 30s quite easily. Mm. And that's with a car that actually hasn't had any setup work done on it. Yeah. We've basically been chasing problems, not trying to set this car up. So uh, goodness knows what the car can do. You know, we're running with 300 horsepower. The engine can go to more than that. Um, and, you know, we got a 42, which was, I think, his first flying lap. Mm -hmm. And we could have gone quicker. But then we had, he was pushing hard. He clipped that corner there, if you're watching the TV. Yep, that's the Tet Rouge. Yeah, the Tet Rouge. And uh, unfortunately dislodged um, the uh, master switch, but also uh, set the fire oh, extinguisher oh, on. So oh. that, was, that was the end of the session. <laughs> so that's why we're now tippy-toeing around to make sure that we've got three drivers that can race this car. Because, of yeah. course, as you know, each of the drivers have got to do five uh, laps in the in the dark. So we're tippy-toeing around, making sure we've got three drivers rather than two out there. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's where we are. So the car's quick. There's no doubt about that in our mind. I'm sure lots of people would tell me it's not. Uh, what the car isn't at the moment is, um, you know, reliable. We're mm. still uh, ironing out issues. Of course we are, because we've only been we only had 100 days since this car came on track, um, and uh, we're we're working through those. So, at the at the weekend, what of our aims? It's definitely not to go fast, uh, as fast as we could do. The 38s, maybe. Uh, the aim is to do as many laps as we possibly can uh, and show people uh, what this car can do over over a long period in terms of fuel efficiency, tyre efficiency, and also that it can battle against some cars in, in one of our classes out there. Mm. Now, do you see in the future Nissan ever making a run at the pointy end of this thing? Trying to take on uh, the, the established hybrids and, and that sort of stuff? Is that, uh, I mean, the Nissan Leaf, uh, you, you know, you're the first ones to, to really, in the United States anyway, to bring a real electric car to market. Um, is this uh, an area that we might uh, be looking toward in the future? Did you get a message from John Heinoff to ask no, me that I, question I, I, every no, single time? I, I didn't. He asked me the same question, which of course is one that everyone's interested in. What I think today, the uh, the rules that were announced today by the ACA were probably the most interesting, innovative set of rules that uh, they've had in mm -hmm. place. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, I, I said to them, I, I'm just a car guy who does a bit of marketing, and I said, you know, if you get this right, this is going to be the most relevant championship in the world if you can get the efficiency story across. For us, the fact that they uh, really uh, regulated that you've got to uh, run uh, with a hybrid is not so interesting because, you know, we'll probably have in Europe, I don't know, one or two percent of our cars in ten years' time will have hybrids. Mm -hmm. We'll have lots of petrol engines, a few diesels, a few electric cars, there'll be a mixture, but it certainly won't be hybrid. You know, Ben Bolby, who's got a much bigger brain than I have, uh, will tell you that the reason you have a hybrid is to make the car, a, an inefficient car, more efficient. Right. So what we've built with the Nissan Delta Wing is an efficient car from, from the start off. That so is efficient. That is efficient. <laughs> so that, that's, that's our position on it. Of course, all we're doing this weekend is focusing on the next uh, few hours uh, mm -hmm. to see how we, how we get on. Sunday evening over something uh, cold and wet, uh, we'll probably tell stories about this year and plan to be here next year. But, um, yeah, you know, we, we love the place. We've got uh, our Japanese engineers here who obviously got a lot of history here. Everyone would love to be back here, but it's got to be right. It's got to be done yeah. in the right way. And do you know what? We're already here. We've got a quarter of the cars on the grid this weekend. Are, have got Nissan engines in there, and uh, therefore we're, we're the manufacturer of more cars out there. Yeah. The fact that people are buying our technologies to run them, yeah, in it a way, says a lot, doesn't it? We're spending 100 million euros a year on, yeah. on doing it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. You make it a profit center. 
Well, it so sounds very center. Porsche. <laughs> sounds very Porsche. I, I, I wouldn't like to be compared to uh, to Porsche, but it's probably not a profit center. But I tell you what, it's it's fantastic to have that amount of cars out there mm. with our badge on it. And as I say, that means we can we can talk to the fans and, and show them that uh, Nissan is a, a very innovative and forward-thinking company. Well, thank you for your time. More importantly, thank you for your support of, of Radio Lamar. We couldn't do this without you. And, and much like your guys, we're a bunch of fans with microphones as, a bunch of, as opposed to a bunch of fans with wrenches. So uh, we really appreciate everything you do for us, and, and uh, good luck this weekend. Well, I like that analogy. You're a bunch of fans with microphones. We're a bunch of fans with earpieces listening to you lot. So keep up the good work. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Darren Cox from Nissan and uh, taking time out from his very busy schedule to uh, come chat with us. Uh, I want to check one thing before we get an update from uh, from Paul. Uh, Joe Bradley, I think, had Warren Hughes. Do you still have Warren? Or has he gone off to greener pastures? No, Jimmy's still there. If you, uh, I tell you what, if you talk amongst yourselves, I'll all right. Holler at me. The back of the garage. That, no worries. Holler at me when when you have them. Paul, why don't you give us an update? Just gonna give, I'm just going to give you an update, first of all, on the progress of the uh, Delta Wing. Um, as uh, Darren was just saying there, they do have a bit of a problem getting their drivers qualified because uh, as of the start of this session, none of them have done their night laps. Uh, Marino Franchitti has been out and now done sufficient laps to qualify. Uh, as far as the other two is concerned, well, they've got uh, just over an hour to get on with it. So uh, an hour and a quarter still to go. Uh, five laps from uh, each of them required. Michael Crum or Michael Crum has done uh, a few laps, but he's not actually done quite enough to uh, qualify yet. So uh, um, things were looking a bit um, dodgy for them. But as I say, Marino's done eight laps now uh, in this session. And so I think he'll be coming in to uh, hand the car over fairly shortly. Uh, as far as times at the top of the field is concerned, the uh, timing and scoring by Michelin. Log on to lemonlive.com and you can see them for yourselves. Uh, we've uh, got that Benoit Trelluet, uh, or the car number one, the Andre Lotterer time, now being driven by Benoit Trelluet. Uh, 3.23.787, the fastest lap uh, of the session. Second is the number three Audi. Uh, that is uh, Loic Duval, who set the time in the session earlier this evening. The car currently in the hands of Marc Genet, uh, having just taken to the circuit the time for the car, 3.24.078. Third fastest is the number two Audi, which was driven by Tom Christensen to a 3.25.433 this evening. Uh, now has Dindo Capello at the wheel. Fourth fastest is the number eight Toyota, Sebastian Buemi uh, at the wheel of that car at the moment. It's time 3.26.151 earlier this evening set earlier this evening. Uh, fifth fastest is the number four Audi, which Mike Rockenfeller currently has. Um, 3.26.420 was the time that was set earlier this evening. Uh, and sixth fastest, the last of the works cars, is Kazuki Nakajima at the wheel of the number seven car, a 3.26.502 for that car. Uh, Johnny Kane is now out at the wheel of the HPD, the Stracker car, number 21. That was wheeled around earlier on by Danny Watts at 3.29.622. Uh, then we have the two Rebellion cars, the Lolas, numbers 12 and 13. Neil Yarni now at the wheel of the 12. Harold Prima at the wheel of the 13. The times 3.29.837 for the number 12 and 3.31.866 for the number 13. The Pescarolo Dome is then 10th fastest. Uh, Seiji Ara driving it at the moment. That's done a 3.33.066. Uh, and then 11th fastest is the number 22 JRM HPD, which is 
currently in the pits. Its time has done a 337.088. Uh, as far as the P2 cars are concerned, the fastest P2 car uh, has changed. When did that change? I missed that one. And they'll be replayed. It's all there, but uh, it's all looking good. Mm. So um, yeah, it should be should be a great event on the weekend as usual. And um, I haven't actually checked the TV guide, but I'm presuming that One HD will do their usual excellent uh, job. No, no. Now I'm disappointed about that. I'd like you to get onto that and have a look. But it appears there is no Australian coverage going is to be provided right? on, on any network. And uh, you need to have a bit of a bitch and moan and a bit of a fish out about that, would you mind? Because oh, okay. oh, I'm, I'm quite pissed off about that. Because <coughs> so they have, for the last <coughs> two years... One HD have been brilliant the last well, two years. Well, 2010, I was in San Francisco for the Worldwide mm. Developers Conference, which we'll get on to in a second, mm. which was on, on this week, um, which sort of meant that when I was flying back, the race was on. I remember watching the, la the start of it in, in San Francisco and seeing Alan McNish's huge crash. Was mm. that last yes. year? Yeah, that was last year. Crashes every year. So um, that's it for mm -hmm. that. Uh, and uh, I suppose moving on to V8 supercars, uh, before we have a look at Darwin, disappointing to hear that uh, it, I wouldn't want to be putting the mockers on him, but poor old Greg Murphy's yes. uh, back accident yep. uh, injury may it, it, this, it could be. Well, he, he may He's have to be a curtail his activity in the sport for some time. And um, Well, as of this morning, he was apparently ruling himself out, because like, he's having back surgery this week, and uh, he was ruling himself out for at least the next two to three months, although he was hopeful of getting back in time for the Enduros. Now, Sandown 500, September, so that sort of fits in the two-month category, but three months takes him out past Bathurst, effectively. So, uh, yeah, we're very sad to hear that. David Russell's in the game, and <clears throat> it would appear that he will keep uh, the drive, as long as he does well this weekend, I would presume, um, until such time as Murph comes back. I see the uh, car of the future was uh, out yesterday on Darwin's uh, East Sale RAAF base. They were doing high-speed aerodynamic testing and uh, that's pretty uh, pretty amazing for whoever was driving the damn things I guess uh, zooming up and down the runway there would have uh, air traffic control apparently had a bit on their plate because they were trying to coordinate plane takeoffs and landings uh, with the V8s doing runs up and down the runway so uh, but uh, yeah car of the future having a bit of a test there and I know what I wanted to say to you Tim Slade and Lee Holdsworth left early to go up to Darwin because they went on the GAN. Yeah, left but, Sunday morning. Yeah, but they'd gone to Darwin. They went to Alice Springs to <coughs> a bit of a fluff around, like you know, ride some some mm. some, some pushies around, They'd go up the hill, have a talk to Mike Drew and, and Penny, and see what was going on with the monster truck. You know, all the and HOD stuff. But anyway. So. You came, which way did you come on the game? You came down, didn't you? Yeah. You didn't go up. Right. Because so, I meant to ask you about that. So, yeah. They would have left there and gone up through the McDonald Ranges, but, you know, yeah. what well, I looked at, they were all baking each other's bed, like, you know, they had to knock together. 
What? Uh, nothing. Yes. Right. Well, anyway, fair supercars on this weekend, and yep. um, we'll go on for that. Oh, one thing we must mention is um, the passing of a, 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 another Australian motorsport aficionado in uh, John Bagshaw, uh, former GM, uh, MD Managing Director of GMH, uh, and then the last Australian Managing Director of GMH, in fact, um, the architect of uh, the Holden dealer team. Uh, he... Uh, basically got around GM's worldwide no motorsport policy back in the day, in 1987, uh, by packaging it up as a dealer rather than manufacturer team. And uh, he and Harry Firth were the guys who uh, signed up Peter Brock. And, yeah, quite uh, so, JJ, definite, definite legends. Absolutely. Um, and so, I, I know for a fact that uh, Fogues, who's uh, en route, I wrote this moment from um, uh, America across to uh, Le Mans as a guest at Nissan for the uh, for the event. Um, as I said, I couldn't be there mm. uh, because I was in the Worldwide Developers Conference, and, and I'll give you some information about that uh, coming up in a sec. Um, was the air rally quite destroyed about? I'm that, sure so he would, and he'll have a lot to say in a very positive note uh, about that war. So I'm we'll sure leave he that. will. For him, and he should so be back. From back sure. I think he's nipping out of the British GT, the British Grand Prix, or something like that. After. But anyway, that's it. I think it's about it for motorsport, isn't it? I think that's about it. Yeah, there's nothing really until the weekend's been and gone. I don't think there's much to, much else to talk about. Oh, I do have to say one thing very quickly. Dan Day, Dan Day Racing, won the local uh, day-night event, um, rallycross event on the weekend, which was very good for him. So, well done, Dan. Very good. Can't wait to see that big check come in <laughs> for Dan. <laughs> You're such a cynic. No, I want to see. Like the big checks we get in from Al, you mean? Mate, uh, over to you. Uh, or would you want me to do the WWDC stuff? You can do the WWDC oh, no. stuff. I'm a WWDC now. It's been every bloody IT magazine, email, you name it. It's been. You need to be there to be able to understand really what's going on. And uh, at you know at uh, a couple of minutes after ten o'clock on Monday morning, there in uh, Moscone Centre, <clears throat> which is not very far away from where you and I have enjoyed a few crispy buffalo chicken wings, JP, Absolutely at the right. Hilton Fourth Street Bar, no Marriott Fourth Street Bar and Grill. Um, Tim Cook came on stage to tell us about. What was going on in the future with Apple and how it would affect developers? This event sold out in one hour and 49 minutes. Uh, it's don't, don't, don't think that you can just get there because you put your hand up. You've got to be fast on the buzzer, be prepared to pay two or three thousand US dollars to get there, you know, as an entry fee and, um, and, and be a registered developer as well. So. We enjoyed that luxury, went over there very quickly, have a look at that. Don't need to be there, in fact it's uh, still going on as we talk tonight. But the first two or three days are really what you want to be there for. A few pre-empt parties and, um, and Monday morning. They came up and uh, basically said, look, 
we're introducing the new operating system for, for Macintosh 10.8 Mountain Lion. Well, there was no surprises there. And there's some very elegant uh, upgrades to the existing Lion operating system 10.7, which I think is around 10.7.3 yep. at the moment. Um, in conjunction with that, a bit of a hardware update here and there, and the addition of a new portable device which used a retina display. Uh, retina meaning that the resolution is a very, very fine resolution. Uh, Can't be, be fair, distinguished by the naked eye. To be fair, it's hard to quite, it's not, I'm, I'm not up to speed mentally about how developers are going to use this because you see, at the end of the day, if you want to hook Let's say I want to run Photoshop. Well, okay, I've got my 17-inch uh, You won't have another one of them, will you? I've got my 17-inch MacBook Pro, which they're now discontinuing, mm. but it physically has good resolution. You know, it's, it's, it's full HD. Mm. And, and I 1920 by 1080, and I want to work on that. And I can see my, you know, stuff that I'm doing for, for web design on there. But if I suddenly have a retina display... That means 50. that everything, if, uh, if I was just on a 17-inch display, then that would mean that everything would be effectively one quarter the size. And that would be hard for me if I'm doing Photoshop work for web work on yeah. there. It just would be, I would, uh, initially I'm finding the concept hard to be able to deal with. Well, wouldn't you just use it at a bigger size? Because, I mean, you, even on a 17 now, you tend to find that you're viewing things... Uh, at like seventy percent? No, that? not at all. Because what I do with the seventeen, and I have ever since this is the third seventeen I've had, I have it clicked into a large, you know, twenty-three, twenty-four inch monitor. Yeah. Um, and so I am basically having forty inches of desktop space. The unfortunate thing is that what they're doing is they're saying, well, okay, you can do that, but the Thunderbolt display that we provide has even a lower resolution than the damn laptop that we're going to give you at a smaller size of 15 inch. So I'm trying to get my mind around why would we want, why would I want to do that? Because I'm going to feel like I'm going to be editing a little tiny window in, and I can't do fine work on it. I don't mm. quite know what's going on there, and the benchmark speeds have shown that whilst they've also bumped the performance of the MacBook MacBook Pro 15-inch, yes. it is actually a faster processing solution than the Retina display unit. Mm. So I'm a bit... The jury's out with me. Yeah. I think it could be cool from a eye candy perspective and um, and all that. Yeah. But when you have... And a workflow where I'm using the laptop to connect to big screens and multiple ones... Well, if it, you were connecting the big screen, surely that would be no different to what it is now. Well, it would be a lot different, JP, because the resolutions are just they're just all over the place. Uh, look, you know, I'm not trying to be critical. No, but because I'm not, you're I'm not, not you're not you don't sit I'm not like sitting like, in front of it all day. No, you yeah, don't sit right. like that. Well, I'd sit in front of it all day. Oh, I'm trying to go to the pub. But you know, like the, but the point is that that when I do sit down and work in Photoshop, I'm doing it on a big screen and it's being run off another another machine. But what I yeah. do see as a positive is that it's um, a half a gigabyte of flash storage, yes. which means it's extremely fast boot, it's got 1600 megahertz um, DDR3 RAM, mm. and, and that will all be lovely. So it, it will be really good. I'm just a bit confused, and I'm gonna have to sit down and go, oh, 
that works for me. And until I do that, yeah, you I can't really, really tell the viewers what I think about it. But nonetheless, mm. it's coming out. Um, a little bit, a little bit of a tiny oh, update to the MacBook Pro line. Yes, the fact that they did a tight, such a tiny update. And in fact, they didn't move to the new. Uh, they say with the Westmere processors, didn't move to Ivy Bridge. And they had a little new icon on there in the store, which they went, oh, sorry, I'll take that one. Yeah, we have. So it's a minor up there. And stuck with that. Uh, no Thunderbolt and uh, stuck with USB 2. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And the new ones are USB 3 and Thunderbolt. So who knows what's going on there. So. But uh, other big news, iOS 6, and there's some, there's some cool stuff there. Look, we posted it. There is on, some cool stuff we, there. We posted it on, um, on Radio Hot Lap earlier in yep. the week where you just basically go, and have a look at the keynote, sit in there, and at about 45 minutes in, um, you'll, uh, 44, 45 minutes in, you'll start to see uh, Scott Forstall uh, do the delivery of what's going on in iOS 6. Go and have a look at that. But it's pretty, inter- pretty um, enjoyable stuff. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. Well, it is. But today they're just saying, here, look, um, there's a lot, some things have leaked out into the, out into the, out into the real world and iMac updates may be coming yes. sooner than expected. Of course, as you soon know, as next the, week. Oh, really, JP? Well, they're very constrained at the moment, which is very unusual for a product that hasn't had an update. 408 days. Now, 408 days since it's been yep. updated. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, it's been done before. We've had, um, you know, WWDC or, or some big announcement made with um, X amount of new hardware, and then two or three weeks later, we've suddenly seen upgrades to uh, other bits and pieces. So it wouldn't surprise me at all, particularly, as I say, because they're so constrained at the moment. So... Interest. And Mac Pro, that was a bit of a waste of space. There's been lots of bitching and moaning about that, I noticed. The fact that all they really did was go to the speed bump, no new, uh, no new IOs, no Thunderbolt, blah blah blah. Um, so the word there supposedly is that there's a whole brand new unit coming in the new year. Absolutely. And on the closing note of tech, I thought we'd have a bit of a short show tonight. Yeah, that's fine. Because we didn't do too many long shows. It's, um, mm-hmm. Don't be working with Ping anymore, because it's, it's done. Pinged off. Unsuccessful. Damn Unsuccessful. right. The okay. next iteration yeah. of iTunes 10.6.x <laughs> will <laughs> have no more ping in it. Pingless. <laughs> Nothing worse. Which makes me think I feel like a bit of Chinese tonight. Oh, there you go. How about that? Oh dear. Now, talking of uh, food, what did you do with those steaks on the weekend? Well, I had, I had a couple of, I actually had three very nice uh, ribeyes, which I, right. I, I doused, doused in Pendleton lemon. Pendleton lemon? Lemon organic oils oh, and yeah. put some thyme, mm-hmm. fresh thyme, oregano and rosemary on it and just left them there for a while before putting them over those coals there in yep. the garden and doing shoestring fries with the best butter Le that one in the round do that the round yep and um, and your partner yeah. the messy the bloke in the cellar the hef the cellar messer the cellar messer he loved it <laughs> well he would do he does like a bit of steak Especially with his Saint Henri that he's 
<laughs> extracted from the cellar, a great mess. <laughs> it wasn't that good. <laughs> what, the St. Henri? Yeah. That got too hot down there with the UPS running. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell Well, I cooked a magnificent chicken pie. Oh, hang on a minute. Um, what did you have for dinner the other night, Chuckley? <laughs> I cooked a magnificent chicken pie. It was just deluxe. Yeah, was it with the, was it a bit of bacon in it? Yeah, of course there was bacon. Well, so yeah, it was it bacon, bacon and so it was onion. dried out. No, it wasn't dried but out. Every time you wrap bacon perfectly. around, it dries it out. No, you don't wrap it around it. You just it's just chicken breast cut up in the frying pan with plenty of garlic, onions, um, with an O or a U. Onions <laughs> with an O. Not onions. Underpads. <laughs> and underpads. Uh, and some chopped up bacon. And uh, let all that cook for a little while. Make some uh, gravy from with some chicken stock. Add and a bit of Merlot. Of, uh, cool. No, no, no wine. Your and, wife uh, likes Merlot. I know. Well, she sent you that thing today to see if you wanted to buy some. With the extra Merlots. That's right. Anyway, and then just threw some carrots and peas in there. Well, she came out for a Merlot night. Whack the shortbread pastry on top, and it was it was really good. Whack Everybody it on, whack it off. Yep, that's it. So there you go. Good on you. No worries. So yeah. I think we've covered everything now, haven't we? Well, on that note, I'd like to say thank you to the uh, the car washing kings of quality vehicles. Bowden. Bowdens. <laughs> <laughs> You're just doing that to piss me off now, aren't you? Off me piss. <laughs> <laughs> Not as pissed off as Mark Webber was, though, when they said that he hadn't won Monaco fairly and squarely. Monaco? Because of <laughs> Monaco. <laughs> and what about uh, Dominic? Because of the chassis. And Dominic? <laughs> and, and Dominic, who's he with this weekend? <laughs> Luxury. Luxury. <laughs> piss off. Good night, viewers. Uh, Alan? My lips are sealed. <laughs> See you at 212. Yeah, you just said it was 212, and I picked you up on no, that at the beginning. No, this is 211. I know, but I you said, said 212. No. You did. Play it back, and it was 212. I won't. It you got said it wrong. 211. It's 211. You said 212. Trust me. Because I picked you up on it at the start, but if you ignored me. I'm not going to edit. What's going to happen? Right, okay. The viewers will know themselves. All right. Dinner at Chianti. If you get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, here we go. Vice versa then. Yeah, I'll go right then. Okay. All right. Limit of, limit of, limit of, limit of nothing. Uh, an entree. <laughs> <laughs>